uh, morning. The person you really need to pray for uh, is my wife, who uh, is not quite sure what to do with two months of me uh, when I'm not at work and stuff like that, and uh, is coming up with all sorts of suggestions to make sure that I'm just not in her way um, for certain things. Um, I said when you came in this morning, you noticed that um, there were cars everywhere and that uh, there's obviously some big netball and basketball tournament thing going on. And so the car park was, was jammed and as I walked in, I kind of looked over and there's um, stacks of people watching. Uh, just um, as we were worshipping this morning, I just felt the um, provocation from God really that's asking me the question, um, are, you, are you a spectator? Or are you on the playing field? Are you a spectator? Or are you on the playing field? And um, it's particularly felt really when Rich was encouraging us to lift our voices and sing out. And, you know, to be honest, it was fairly quiet. And, and just really felt that provocation that are we, are we spectators? Or are we, are we on the playing field? Are we, are we willing to take a chance and to step out and to push ourselves forward? Or do we just want to live in that? place of safety and I just really want to encourage you that we're not called to be spectators we're not called to be people who come and watch others do things Um, we're called to be on the playing field different roles different abilities different gifts different tasks uh, different callings on the same team there you go Colin Colin's there but but we just felt the provocation the provocation in my heart when I would I spectate or would I participate? Would I play? Would I play my role? I just, just uh, wanted to throw that out there. It's at the end of my uh, sermon this morning. It's going to be an opportunity to respond, uh, respond to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we, we don't want to be spectators. We want to play the part to which we're called. We want to take steps of faith. We don't want to stand and just watch others take steps of faith. That's not what we're called to do. Um, this morning we're finishing uh, our Easter sermon series, so it was Easter Sunday last week, but we have one more week this week, uh, our series called Jesus, our champion, who is the bringer of hope to a broken world. What do you do when you can't fix what is broken, heal what is hurting, make sense of what is confusing, clean what is dirty, and free what is held captive? What do you do when you can't face today? And are fearful about tomorrow? What do you do when you can't save yourself? And into our mess, and into our brokenness, and into our hopelessness, our pain and our weakness, Jesus comes right in the midst of it as our champion, as our hero, and as our saviour. He comes to save, to heal, to cleanse. He comes to bring freedom, joy, peace, hope, purpose, belonging, family, and forgiveness. He comes to give us new life and an awesome future. He comes and he is Jesus, our champion. And the awesome thing about this champion is that he doesn't wait for you to sort yourself out and then he will come to you in the very midst of your mess, in the very midst of your struggles, in the very midst of the things that you can't seem to sort out. He comes in those moments. He comes to save. And so having celebrated the cross and resurrection of Jesus last weekend, this week we get to look ahead confident that we have a hope for the future. Because of Jesus and his promises to us, we can approach life with confidence. Life with all its highs and lows, with all its joy and tragedy, 
With all its success and failure, we can approach real life with real challenges, with confidence and with hope. With that in mind, we're going to pray before we go any further because um, I want the Holy Spirit to help us as we go into the Word of God. And so, just as Holy Spirit, just very much that you would come and have your way this morning. Um, we just, before you just say, would you speak to our hearts? Come and just say whatever you want to say to us. Would you transform our lives? We don't want to stay the same. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to have an expectation that you change us and you grow us and you shape us and you refine us. We ask that you'd renew our minds. Such a battle in our minds, Holy Spirit, for the truth and to not believe lies and to tear down wrong thoughts. And, and we know we can't do it in our own strength. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray, would you come and help us to have our minds renewed this morning? And would you make us more like Jesus? Now, we just confess we can't do any of this ourselves. And so just even as we go through the next few minutes, as we go into your word, we just pray, would you come and, Holy Spirit, help us as we wrestle with your word and as we look to see it buried deep within the foundations of our lives. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to follow a really simple truth. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit totally transforms our lives and enables us to live for God. So we're not, it's not complicated this morning. It's a very simple truth. Jesus promised, Jesus sent, the Holy Spirit changes everything. I mean, really, I could stop there. I won't, but really, you know, I could stop there. And if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to just jump around a little bit. It will be on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, it's just, just good practice to open them. Uh, and so John chapter 14 is where we're going to start. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 25. So John 14, verse 25, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he's just told them a bunch of things, and he says to them, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And then if you flip forward two chapters to John chapter 16, verse 7, and Jesus is still speaking to his disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now these are the promises of Jesus to his disciples. And who are his disciples? Well, in the Bible we'll read very much about the twelve. But actually, anyone here this morning who professes that Jesus is Lord and has welcomed them into their lives, you're a disciple. So this is speaking to you as well, even though it's speaking to the twelve in the particular passage, Jesus is talking to you. Jesus himself says to his disciples, it's better that he leaves them so that the Holy Spirit will come to them. Now, I like to put myself into this sometimes. I think if Jesus was standing in front of me in physical bodily form right this moment and he said to me, Andy, it's better now that I go away from you so that the Holy Spirit 
can come to you. I, I probably would look Jesus in the eye and say, I, I don't know that's such a great idea. I think, Jesus, it's better that you stay right here with me now. I don't know. Why would I want you to go away? You're here. I can touch you. I can feel you. I can see you. I can hear you. Why, why, would, I, why would I want you to go away? I don't know any of us would think this is such a great idea. If we had Jesus with us right now, Jesus, I think we should talk about this. Maybe this isn't such a great idea. Because what would we give to have Jesus with us physically here this morning? I mean, that'd just be kind of like, wouldn't that change everything? Wouldn't that change our worship? Wouldn't that change our interaction? Wouldn't that just be crazy? He says, now I'm going to go away. No, no, don't go. I want you to stay here. I can't imagine what the disciples were thinking as he was saying this to them, saying, I'm going to leave. I don't think that's a good idea, Jesus. But Jesus has said it, so it's true. He said he would send the Holy Spirit to us to be our helper. In other words, you could use alongside helper in this passage, uh, that he sends the Holy Spirit to us to be our advocate, our comforter, to be our encourager, our counsellor, our helper. And this is so encouraging for us, and it counters the lie of the enemy who tells us that we're not good enough who tells us that we're not strong enough and, and that we disappoint Jesus. And let's be honest, we all have those times we think about that, where we, we live our lives and we struggle and we get things wrong and we, we fail uh, and our minds think and we believe, oh, Jesus must be so disappointed in me. And we've got an enemy who just wants to, just to jump on the back of that sort of thing and just constantly keep repeating that to you and saying that that's what it is. The devil is a liar. The Bible says he's a liar. He constantly wants to shift our eyes from God and onto ourselves. We get through Jesus to, to behold this awesome, all-powerful God, and the devil constantly wants us to, to take our eyes off of him and back onto ourselves with all our struggles and all our failings and all our flaws. And we're so wired to look to do things in our own strength, to, to not ask for help or to confess weakness. Several years ago now, um, I was in Ikea buying a wardrobe uh, and I'd gone with Steve Quayle and he was buying something as well and we came back and we went to his house first and we got the stuff out of the car and put it in his house and then he said to me, do you want me to come with you to your house to help you carry that wardrobe into your house? And so I said to him, no, no, it's okay. I can do it myself. Now, it was a huge wardrobe. There was no way at all that I was ever going to be lifted myself and put it in, but, but just we're wired intrinsically to be like, no, 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 I don't need help. It's all right. I can do it myself. And then I drove home. And of course, I couldn't do it myself. And I had to open the packet and take one bit at a time into the house because it's the only way that I could move it. Like, but it's, it's how we're wired. We're wired so often when we don't ask for help or when help's offered. No, no, it's okay. I, I, I can do it. My favorite preacher in the world, Matt Chandler says this in a quote, the idolatry, that exists, the idolatry that exists in a man's heart always wants to lead him away from his saviour and back to self-reliance. No matter how pitiful that self-reliance is or how many times it's betrayed him. No matter how many times I realise I can't do it in my own strength, how many times I fail in my own abilities, I still keep going back to that same place again. Maybe this time 
it'll all turn good. Maybe this time I'll be able to do it, even though I've got a huge long track record over 44 years of not being able to do it in my own strength. Still, maybe this time. It's okay. I don't need your help. I can do it. It's an idolatrous thing in our hearts, to to self-reliance. Again and again, we fall into the same old trap of trusting in our own strength and our own abilities and letting them guide us, no matter how many times they let us down in the past. You need to understand that no matter how awesome your own strength might be, it's not going to be enough. Eventually, it's going to run out and it's going to let you down. You know, you may go longer than some. You may last longer than some. You may keep going a good chunk longer than some. But eventually, eventually your own strength lets you down. Zechariah 4, verse 6, one of those verses that appears on coffee mugs. Not by, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You weren't made new and brought into the family of God by your own strength. So why on earth do we think that we can live for God in our own strength? You weren't saved that way. You didn't play any part in your salvation. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. He died, he rose again, he came and revealed himself to you, he gave you the faith to believe. Jesus did it all. You didn't become a Christian because of something you did, because of your strength. And yet, we instantly then switch into, but now I have to, in my own strength, live this way and stay this way. Why? That's not how you got here. That's not the way that you were saved. Jesus has no expectation that you'll be able to follow him in your own strength. He has no expectation at all of you that you'll be able to do it in and of yourself. And knowing this, he promised that he wouldn't leave us by ourselves to do the best that we can. Jesus doesn't wish us good luck and then cross his fingers hoping for the best. You know, I've, um, over the last few years, uh, my two oldest children, I managed to teach them to ride a bike. And you have that moment when they're there and you push them and they get going and then they get away from you and you can't keep up anymore. And in that moment, you are kind of, and they're all over the place because they don't know what they're doing. And then you realize you've not taught them how to stop. And so it's like, and you are, you are at that moment just like, well, good luck. We'll just see what happens. Maybe she'll be all right. Maybe she'll crash and die. Don't know, do you? That's not how Jesus has done it with us. He's not kind of like, now I've saved you, good luck on your way, we'll just see what happens. Maybe you'll be all right, maybe you won't. That's not how Jesus does it. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to us. He sent the Holy Spirit to you to help you in every way, at every time, in every place. He has sent the Holy Spirit to you to help you in every way, at every time, in every place. He hasn't just pushed you out into life. Good luck. I hope it all turns out okay. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with you. You are not alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you. 
Acts 1 verse 8 says to us, you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, so he's speaking to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and through Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not might, not maybe, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, it might look different. and We get so caught up in what it looks like when we receive the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, some people cry and some people laugh and some people fall over and some people do nothing. And we spend all our time looking with our eyes thinking, well, have they or haven't they? Well, it's not about that. Between you and him, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit equips and empowers us to do all the things we have the privilege of being called to do with God. You see, this is so important for us to grab a hold of in our thinking and in our prayers and in our expectations. God isn't looking for your power and your strength, but he is looking for your obedience. And through that, he would equip you and empower you for every good work he's called you to. God isn't looking for your power. God isn't looking for your strength. If, if that's what you're looking for, if that's, if that's what you're banking life on, it's going to be long and it's going to be miserable and it's going to be a failure. You spend, if you spend your life looking to your own abilities and trying to live for God, it will be a miserable time. We can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. With the Holy Spirit, everything changes. With the Holy Spirit, I can live a life for him and it will be joyful and it will be satisfying and yet it will be hard work. But it will be a life worth living. So Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper and we see this promise fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now we read that sort of passage and we quite quickly get taken with the dramatic, that there's this big wind, that there's tongues of fire and we get sucked into, it must look like that. Why? The Holy Spirit comes how the Holy Spirit wants to come. And the Holy Spirit encounters you how he wants to encounter you. And it can be dramatic or it can be quiet. Up to him. I have, in my time, I've been in church a long time, had moments of going flying through the air. And I've had moments of being the last person standing in a room full of people while they're all on the floor. But I know the Holy Spirit was with me, about whether I fell over or not. I've never had tongues of fire come and sit on my head. But, and I don't understand this happens, there are often moments, I'll be out just with my hands out, and a gentle wind begins to blow on my fingers. And I look, at, I look around, and where's that coming from? Is someone walking past me? Is a window open? I, 
gentle wind begins to blow my fingers. The Holy Spirit is with me. The point is, it isn't, doesn't matter how it looks. Jesus promises and Jesus fulfills. The Holy Spirit comes as promised and fills the disciples, utterly transforming them, equipping them, encouraging them to take the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. You only have to read the New Testament. In the Gospels, you see that what Jesus' disciples were like. They were willing, but they were, they were weak and they were flawed. And by the time Jesus died on the cross, they were ultimately seen abandoning him and hiding in fear. But after we read the Holy Spirit came upon them, they're utterly changed and transformed and starting to take the, the word of Jesus Christ around all the known world, even though it means facing death. The Holy Spirit changed everything for them. And the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in us as our helper completely and utterly transforms us. The same Holy Spirit we read about here in Acts chapter 2 is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised you and I would be filled with. No difference. He's the same Holy Spirit. And receiving the Holy Spirit, is, is, it's, not, it's not an event that happens. Rather, it's an ongoing relationship that we have. Sometimes we, we, we live off a moment. This was the moment I received the Holy Spirit. That's it. Now I'm filled up, now I have to live off this moment for the rest of my life. It's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible talks about a Holy Spirit who walks with you every single day and talks with you every single day and he's with you every single day. It's a relationship that you get to have. In a picture sense, you're not a pond, but it's a stream. It's, it's not... The Holy Spirit is not, it's not filled you and now it's a stagnant pond. This is it. But rather a constant stream flowing through your lives. Bringing freshness, bringing life, bringing abundance. It's not a measure that you've filled up and think, right, now this is, this is what I have now for the rest of my life. I've got to live off this and so I need to be careful how much I give out. I need to be careful how exuberant I am. I need to be careful because this is what the Holy Spirit has given me and so this is my measure and too often we live that way. Too often we live like he, he's given me this and so this is what I have. And so now for the rest of my life, I've got to be careful how I give it away. Because I don't want it to run out. But that's not the Holy Spirit. It's an abundance that you get to enjoy. Every single day. Every single day. We need to, we need to get out of any mindset that says, I've got to be careful. I don't want to, I've got to hold on to him. I've got to keep him because if he runs out, I don't know what I'll do. No, no, no. He, he, the whole premise is that he comes and you give him away and he comes and you give him away and he comes and you give him away. And it's like this, he's like this stream that flows through you of life, changing you in the process and impacting all the world around you as you live. A place of continued freshness and life. The Holy Spirit helps and transforms us in all sorts of ways. But we need to understand the Holy Spirit has been sent to be sent by Jesus to be an active, ongoing participator in our real day-by-day lives, not a passive idea that we have knowledge of. 
Too often in Christian life we learn stuff and it's just all this airy-fairy stuff up here. Oh, there's this thing about the Holy Spirit and he must just flutter up here and that's nice. No, no, the Holy Spirit comes to have an active part in your day-by-day living, in all the situations you're facing, in all the difficulties you're facing, in all the decisions you've got to make, in all the challenges where you don't know what to do and all the times you don't know the way forward. The Holy Spirit is there, active at that moment. He's not just living up here somewhere. Oh, that's nice. I think too often we treat him that way. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit, but now I'm down here in my real life. I've got to do it by myself. No, he's been sent to be active in your day-to-day and your moment-by-moment, helping you, directing you, equipping you, strengthening you, sustaining you, challenging you, transforming you in the big things and the little things of life. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to you to play an active part in your life helping you and encouraging you in living for God at all times, in all places and all ways. And because you just look a little bit bored, go and tell some people. Go and tell some people the Holy Spirit is with you at all times, in all places, in all ways. I mean, I won't move on until you do it. So you have, as the teachers say, it's your own time you're wasting. Uh, go, and, go and speak truth to somebody. Okay. I know some of us don't like doing that, but I'm not even sorry. Yeah, I just, I'm not even sorry. It's just, I keep saying it every time. We, we have got to learn to be proactive in telling truth to one another. We've got to, I mean, it's not just enough that I hear it. I need to go and tell it to somebody. We need to declare it to one another. Uh, and, you know, we've just got to get better at doing that. This is an activity that we do, not just a passive feed me, feed me, feed me. I'm going to tell somebody the truth that I'm learning. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to you to play an active part in your life, helping you and encouraging you in your living for God at all times, in all places, in all ways. In fact, the Holy Spirit is active even when we're struggling and even when we don't know what to say and what to pray. I, I assume you get to those places as well where you think, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to say. If I prayed now, I wouldn't know what to pray. But it says in Romans 8 verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Holy Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. And he knows that God causes, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, 
and are called according to his purpose for them. Yeah, taking a moment to stop and consider this, the Spirit pleads for us believers. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit being active. The Holy Spirit right now at this moment is before the Father pleading for you. By name, not us just corporate, pleading for you. Would you bless them? Would you do them good? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you guide them? Would you encourage them? Would you be with them? Would you raise them up? Would you show them more of Jesus? Would you lavish your goodness and your grace and your mercy upon them? Even if we're passive, the Holy Spirit is active, praying, pleading, it says, pleading. Uh, We're not very good at pleading. My kids are sometimes when they really, really want something. The Holy Spirit is pleading before God on your behalf that he would bless you. All those times we don't know what to do and what to pray, and yet the Bible tells us even in those moments, the Holy Spirit is praying for us and pleading for us with God our Father. I mean, imagine that. Again, just takes our attention off of our own strength and abilities. All those moments when we're just broken and don't know what to do. And yet the Holy Spirit still is praying and pleading for you on your behalf. You are not alone. You have an advocate. You have someone praying for you. Even right now as you're sitting through this sermon. Thinking, please Jesus, help me get to the end. You have the Holy Spirit pleading on your behalf that you'll get there as well. Imagine that. What an encouragement, what a comfort, what love and compassion and what grace and mercy. Right now, the Holy Spirit is at work interceding for you with the Father, actively working for good in your life. And that is true every day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So you can rightly say, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, the Holy Spirit is with me today. Praying for me, walking with me, looking to equip me and encourage me. Because the Holy Spirit has been sent to help and is actively with me, that means I have a hope for the future. In fact, the famous line of a hymn says this, I have strength for today and I have bright hope for tomorrow. Strength for this day, for this moment, for the things that I'm going to encounter today and a bright hope for what comes next. I need the strength and hope that the Holy Spirit brings because my own strength and hope fail. It fails in all sorts of ways. You know, I have three daughters and they're great. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd do all right as a dad, I think. I work hard at it. But there are times. There are times I get it so terribly wrong. There are times that I fail. And in those moments, you question yourself, you think, gosh, can I even do this? Well, there are times that the kids are such a pain in the neck, you don't know what to do with them. And you're just, you're at your wit's end. You think, gosh, will these kids, ever, will, will these kids, will they grow up okay, or are their lives going to be one nightmare their entire lives? And in those moments, you feel failure, you feel vulnerable. 
Or there are struggles that I have with sin. There are, there are days where I'm nailing holiness and it just feels like I wouldn't sin all day. And there are days when you just think, how can this be tripping me up again? I know not to do this. I don't even want to do this, but here I am again doing this. And you feel a failure. Or you can just walk around our town and just look at some of the things that you see. Gosh, is there really hope? And actually, it's interesting, Jonathan spoke earlier about a picture that he received because um, I've got this picture here. This um, the picture that Jonathan had that he sent round to me and some others. This picture, not many moments before all these kids filed out of that room and a bomb was uh, set off in the courtyard outside and a whole bunch of them died. And uh, he sent that round on WhatsApp and looking at it and for many, many moments I sat looking at that just within me, just deflated, as you consider the horror of that. The horror that, what, moments after this picture was taken, half of those were dead. And, and you look at that and you think, just in me I could feel the whole, what do you do? I wouldn't even know what to pray. I wouldn't even know what to say. I, I wouldn't even know what to think. I, just, I would sit in silence and look at that and think, what do you do? Just so aware of my own weakness, my own lack of strength, my own failure to be able to rise to the moment. I think, what do you do in a moment like that? What do you do when someone sends you a photo with that news? My own strength and my own hope fails within me, whether it's for things like that or whether it's for things we see around our town or things in our families or things with our kids or things in ourselves. We would have moments where we just we know that our own hope, our own strength fails within us. But we don't find strength in ourselves, but from the Holy Spirit who Jesus sent to us, who brings us hope, compassion, strength, love, comfort, joy, peace, rest, wisdom, healing, faith, guidance, grace, provision, equipping, boldness, courage, and many more things in a real way, for our real lives. See, my, my own strength and my own hope fails. And that's been proved to me again and again through my life. Moments again and again where I've just been devastated. Sometimes by the smallest of things. But I don't find strength in myself. I find strength in the Holy Spirit who's been sent to me who walks with me with all of these things, constantly at my side, constantly going before me and behind me and around me with his hand upon me, constantly looking to do me good and give me everything that I need. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to you to play an active part in your life, helping you and encouraging you in living for God at all times, in all places and in all ways. And so you can approach real life with real challenges, with confidence and with hope. Okay, it's not an airy-fairy idea. He is with you. He is with you. Right now, he's with you. When you leave, he'll be with you. Tomorrow, he'll be with you. He is with you. And he changes everything. We receive power to engage with the purposes of God for us day by day. 
And as we do this, we become more and more like Jesus and are witnesses to a broken world that is crying out for hope for the future. Uh, we keep talking about revival at the minute. Well, revival does happen as the Holy Spirit comes to us and works through us and flows through us. We receive and we give away and 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 we just keep doing that. And as we do that, it turns out the people around us get blessed. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by your might, not by your power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Um, I want to end um, by praying with some people. Uh, so why don't we stand? I mean, Jesus is just really awesome because Jesus promised and then Jesus delivered and now the Holy Spirit is with us. Uh, it's not more complicated than that. And I just really want to pray this morning for those who know that you need to stop trying in your own strength and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Um, you know, and, and on some level that's all of us because we all, we all do that. We're all wired to try in our own strength. And the Holy Spirit just says, please don't do that. Please receive me and let me be strong. And let me help you. Let me give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And I just really want to pray for you if that's you, if you need strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. I'd also have to pray for you if you know if there's particular areas in your mind or a particular situation or a particular person or just a very specific thing in your mind, you know, I know I need equipping and empowering by the Holy Spirit for that. I've been wrestling with it for ages. I don't know what to do with it. It's just this thing in front of me and I don't know what to do. I just know the Holy Spirit wants to help you and come to you for that particular thing. Or, or maybe even you're sitting here today I don't even know if I've received the Holy Spirit. I get what you're talking about, but I don't know. I don't know if I received the Holy Spirit. Well, today, if you're not sure if you've received the Holy Spirit or you haven't, um, we can ask Jesus to send him to you, and he will come to you. You don't have to try and walk the Christian life without him. And so really, any of those areas, and um, just to kind of, fits into the picture at the beginning. This is a chance to respond to not be a spectator, but to step onto the playing field. We're not called to be spectators. We're called to step onto the playing field. And so if that's any of those areas, um, if you want to kind of just come and receive, uh, I I want you to come forward um, and uh, come to the front and we'll pray for you. I know, um, I'm going to pray just a second. I know coming to the front seems like quite a big step. Um, the truth is this, everyone in this room is broken, is flawed and struggles. Like, so to, to kind of, and that's not saying you all need to respond, but, but we do respond that you're in good company because everybody else struggles the same way you struggle. Everyone else struggles the same way you struggle. And so... I just want to encourage you, like, 
it feels like a shame thing to respond sometimes. Oh no, I need to, I'm a failure, I need to respond. No, no, no this is, the Bible talks to us because of Jesus, boldly we can approach this throne with grace and with mercy. There's no shame or guilt here because everyone stuffs up and everyone gets it wrong and everyone struggles and faces difficulties. That's, that's all of us. There's no shame or guilt amongst us. Jesus dealt with that at the cross.